Blog Talk Radio. Dalle vicende della vita e che Roma abbia detto la sua parola. We cannot continue to rely only on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we've set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well funded. The other day, the oil companies reported the highest profits in the history of the world. I want to take those profits. And guess what this liberal would be all about? This liberal will be all about socializing, uh, um, would be about basically taking over and the government running all of your companies. Uh, to that extent, as radical as I think people try to characterize the Warren Court, uh, it wasn't that radical. It, it didn't break free from the essential constraints that were placed uh, uh, by the Founding Fathers in the Constitution. And one of the, uh, I think, uh, the tragedies of the Civil Rights Movement, uh, I think that there was a tendency to lose track of the political and community organizing and, and activities on the ground that are able to put together the actual coalitions of power through which you bring about redistributive uh, change. They've got a chance to success too. I think when you spread the wealth around, it's good for I brought up the subject of what's going to happen after we take over the government. Uh, you know, we, we become responsible then for administrating you know, 250 million people. I ask, well, what is going to happen to those people that we can't re-educate, that are die-hard cap capitalists? And the reply was that they'd have to be eliminated. And when I pursued this further, they estimated that they would have to eliminate 25 million people in these re-education centers. And when I say eliminate, I mean kill 25 million people. I want you to imagine sitting in a room with 25 people, most of which have graduate degrees from Columbia and other well-known educational centers, and hear them figuring out the logistics for the elimination of 25 million people. And they were dead serious. coming at you. No, this ain't the Honorable Doctor. The Honorable Doctor is vacationing and having a good old time. And unbelievably, 
is entrusting his August program to me to um, uh, to take care of whilst he is gone. I don't know. I always thought the doc was pretty sharp, and maybe he should have reconsidered that. But nonetheless, here I am. I'm going to do the best I can with what I got, and I got to admit, I've been having a lot of fun. I hope you have. Uh, we hope we can continue to have a lot of fun. And uh, as I said, this is my last show. I think I'll bring it out with something that's pretty much in the news, uh, particularly here in Atlanta. Uh, well, I don't live in Atlanta, but I do live in Georgia, about 20 minutes east of Atlanta in uh, Rockdale County. I am raising a granddaughter who is going to a Georgia school, although she, thankfully she isn't in Atlanta public schools. She goes to Edwards Middle School in Conyers. But um, this Atlanta uh, public school cheating scandal was, um, you know, it was close enough to me to kind of hit me where I live. But before I really go in in the detail about uh, the the, the uh, outcome of the Atlanta public schools cheating scandal, I'd again like to, to remind you folks that this is the Dr. C. Robert Jones situation report. It is his show. He will be back to take it over next week. He is a former Marine officer, a field-grade commission officer, and a professionally trained historian and researcher with a Ph.D. from uh, William & Mary College in history, Ph.D. in history. I know this story uh, is would be of great interest to a man of learning uh, such as uh, Dr. C. Robert Jones, and particularly the fact that the real losers in all of this are the students who are being used as mere fodder between corrupt teachers and corrupt bureaucrats. They were merely taxpayer-funded fodder. That's all they were. They weren't concerned about these. They were using these kids to bump up their pay grades and their bonuses and their promotions and everything else. They weren't concerned about these kids, but and but let's talk about let's get the details of the scandal out of the way first before we start before I start expressing my opinions about it. And believe me, I got a lot to say about it. Uh, Eleven educators, I mean the prosecution pretty much got a slam dunk. Only one of those who actually went to trial. In this, in this trial, who actually went to trial, didn't do a plea bargain, wasn't granted immunity in return for their testimony or information. Uh, only one of them was acquitted. Others were convicted of racketeering. Now, racketeering is the kind of stuff they got John Gotti on, the New York Godfather. <laughs> racketeering influenced corrupt organizations. They saw these school teachers as a corrupt organization that were involved in racketeering activities. Their organization was corrupt. They were doing the kind of thing that mobsters do with money laundering and wire fraud and mail fraud and all this other stuff. And it really, if you look at the way the law is written, it all fit. It did fit the meaning of the statute. No matter what the statute was originally intended to go after, the targets were really intended to go, what those teachers was doing was racketeering. Now, even I might have some dispute as to how long they should have gone to jail, but there's no doubt that what they were doing fit the definition of racketeering. Now, the 11 teachers, testing coordinators, and other administrators were 
convicted of racketeering after a five-year investigation. Evidence of cheating was found in 44 schools across the Atlantic system with nearly 180 educators involved. A racketeering charge could carry up to 20 years in prison, and most of the defendants will be sentenced on April the 8th. The cheating came to light after the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported in 2008 that some student scores were probable, statistically improbable. Prosecutors said the educators were guaranteed bonuses by inflating scores while improving the poor reputation of their school system to enhance, ultimately, their prestige by their membership in that school system. And the ringleader of this, and I believe she was the ringleader, Superintendent Beverly Hall, the superintendent of Atlanta Public Schools, who received up, and this this woman got up to $500,000 in bonuses and other payouts as a result of her grade-inflated cheating. Now, she died of breast cancer as the scandal went to trial. Now, I got to admit, that's a tough way to beat the charges. Uh, I don't know, but nonetheless, she did escape uh, uh, a legal, the uh, uh, censure of the legal system for her part in the scandal. And the defendants were uh, teachers, principal. Uh, they fed answers to students. They erased or changed answers on tests after they were turned in. The secure promotions are up to $5,000 each in bonuses. Um, a 12th defendant was acquitted of all charges by the jury, as I said before. And, um, boy, I mean, this is a huge story. In fact, uh, University of Georgia law professor Ron Carlson said, this is absolutely the biggest development in American education law since forever. It has to send a message to educators here and broadly across the nation. Playing with student test scores is very, very dangerous business. Now, again, the case stems from an investigation carried out in 2011, which uncovered evidence that the educators gave answers to students who changed answers on tests after they were turned in. After they were turned in. Um. Boy, you know, uh, now, now you got to understand something here, folks. Um, I got a pretty good public school education in Chicago, no less. And, and you got to understand, folks, I'm a high school GED. I didn't go to college except for three months after I got out of the Army and I left um, junior college. I never went back. I'm largely self educated. So my uh, education in Chicago Public Schools was critical as a foundation to my being able to comprehend and understand the data I uh, uh, take in as I educate myself. Without that foundation, I would have been lost. But I did get a very good foundation, particularly in reading and analytical skills and being able to diagram sentences and everything else. I got all of that in Chicago Public Schools because that's where it was when I was growing up. I would shudder to think, what I would be able to do now were it not for the foundation that kids are being deprived of it. But there are a couple of bright spots in this. And and for me, two of the brightest spots uh, in this whole thing were two of the kids who were supposed to have been ostensibly the beneficiary of these corrupt educrats and educators, largesse, if you will. They didn't want it. They turned it down. 
They rejected it. Let me tell you who they were. One of them was a girl named Joanna Goofy. And Joanna Guffy, I think Guffy rather, she was sitting in her fifth grade grade classroom taking a standardized test when a teacher came in offering information and asking the students to rewrite their answers. Now, they weren't information the teachers offered. They were offering answers to the test. Joanna rejected the help of this teacher. She said, I don't want your answers. I want to take my own test. Now, this is what the Fulton County District Attorney Paul Howard said of uh, uh, Joanna Guffey. Student now with the integrity to say this to an adult teacher. Good for you, girl. You go, girl. Now, um, now Howard at a news conference uh, shortly after the indictments had been announced, Howard highlighted the case of Joanna and another student. And he said they demonstrated the plight of many children in Atlanta school system. And their stories were among many that an investigator heard in hundreds of interviews with school administrators, staff, parents, and students during a 21-month-long investigation. And according to Howard, Joanna said that when she declined her teacher's offer, the teacher said she was just trying to help. (laughs) Another government worker telling you they're just there to help. Fancy that. Uh, Now, her class ended up getting some of the highest scores in the school And they got a trophy for their work. Now, remember, this is great inflated. This is one of the teachers involved with corrupt teachers doing this, a network of corrupt teachers. Now, Joanna felt guilty but didn't tell anyone about her class cheating because she was afraid of retaliation, and she was afraid that her teacher would lose her job. Now, she eventually told her sister and then later told the district attorney's investigators. Now, still confident in her ability to take a test on her own, uh, Joanna got the highest reading score in her school on a standardized test this year. I believe it's called the CRTC test, uh, which is what a standardized test they give students in in Georgia to uh, determine their ranking nationally. I believe it has something to do with complying with the no child left behind thing, which, by the way, a lot of liberals and progressives of doing the standard fallback position of liberals and progressives everywhere. When in doubt about where about uh, uh, how to evade blame, blame George Bush. <laughs> They're blaming George Bush for his administration and his Department of Education secretary uh, providing the impetus to create no child left behind. <laughs> you gotta love them liberals, huh? They don't miss a trick, do they? <laughs> anyway. Uh, now, the other student that uh, District Attorney Howard cited was a third grader who failed the benchmark exam and received the worst score in a reading class in 2006. The girl was held back, yet when she took a separate assessment not long afterward, she passed with flying colors, I mean right at the top of the benchmark for the test examination. Now, the girl's mother, uh, Justina Collins, knew something was wrong, but she was told by school officials that the child was simply a good test taker. Now, the girl is now in ninth grade, but she's been honestly assessed at her reading level. She's reading at a fifth grade reading level. Fifth grade. Fifth grade. And now what um, uh, uh, Ms. Collins says is, I have a 15-year-old now uh, who is behind in achieving her goal of becoming what she wants to be when she graduates. It's been hard trying to help her catch up. Um the allegations took place a uh, date back to 2005 in Dishon Hall. 
34, well, you know, four were high-level administrators. Six were principals, two were assistant principals, six were testing coordinators, and 14 were teachers. A school improvement specialist and a school secretary were also indicted. And I got a list of all of them in case you're wondering who they are. But for purposes of our discussion tonight and due to the constraints of time, I'm not going to go all of them unless you ask me specifically. Now, if you ask me, and you, I know you're going to ask me, and I know you know I'm biased. Now, look, look, I, I, I'm, I'm never, I never pretend to be objective because I'm not, folks, folks. When you listen to Sarge, you are not, not, not. Repeat, not ever. Probably as long as I have ethical and moral, an ethical and moral compass, you are never going to hear objectivity from Sarge, unless, of course, it is a matter of objective fact. You are going to hear bias. I am biased toward conservatism, classical conservatism, the conservatism of the great Enlightenment philosophers, uh, Edmund Burke, uh, um, Hume, John Hume, um, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, founding fathers who came later than the Enlightenment, but nonetheless the founding fathers, Adam Smith, um, Modern-day philosophers, great minds like Walter Williams and Thomas Sowell, and most of all, above all the others, Alan Keyes. Those are my lives, though. Those are my lives. And they've given me a profound bias in favor of conservatism and the Constitution and the Declaration. But I'll tell you what, I won't make things up. I don't make things up, and I don't lie about people if I can possibly avoid it. Any misstatements of fact or evidence are mere errors. They're not with, done with the malicious intention that often comes from liberals and progressives and Marxists. And I think this whole cheating scandal is more like the fruit of the liberal takeover of education. And remember this, for a liberal, a progressive, a socialist, or a communist, the end will always justify the means you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. That's what Vladimir Lenin said, and you better believe, folks, they mean it. I mean it. If there is anything in life that a liberal, a progressive, a socialist means is that whoever is in the way of, quote, progress, unquote, as they see progress, must be swept aside. And I can bloody well guarantee you, every one of these people involved in this is a Democrat. I bet you they all registered the Democrat. I bet you every one of them voted for Barack Obama. I know it without any doubt. And now this is my opinion. Now, I'm not stating this as a fact, but in my opinion, everyone I'm certain is a Democrat. They all voted for Obama. Every one of them would be on board with just about 90 to 95% of the liberal nostrums and branches as they fall out of the liberal tree and hit them on the way down. They wouldn't miss a thing. Not a thing. Now, before I go any farther, I'd just like you folks to know that uh, this is a talk show. I'm going to talk about this for a few more minutes, a couple more minutes, and then I'm going to be taking calls. And I hope some of you all will call in that because I do want to hear from you because it's going to be my last night, folks. This is your last chance to take a shot at Sarge as host of the C. Robert Jones Situation Report, because Brother Jones is coming back to take off his show like the good Marine he is. He's coming back to take up his defensive position 
preparatory to resuming the offensive because Marines don't never sit in defensive positions for any longer than they have to. They only sit in there long enough to consolidate, get the hell out and charge. And when Dr. Jones comes back, that's what he's going to be doing. He's going to be charging back in a battle because I know the good doc. The doc is down with it, and the doc is down with the offensive. So I'm just letting you know, tonight's the last night you're going to get a shot at charge. Call in, folks. I promise I'll be gentle. It'll be like our first time together. I will be gentle. I will be loving. I will be considerate. I will not harm you. I will. You 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 can you can count on me to be to be understanding and um, tolerant even. Yes. Okay. Well, let's get back to the topic at hand here. Okay. The system was set up where the teachers. And the principals and administrators were all evaluated based on stu- on student scores on standardized testing. Personal performance, retention, raises, and bonus were all for the teachers and the administrators were all based on those scores. Now, it did not take long for these corrupt educrats uh, and administrators to determine that it was much easier to manipulate the test scores than to actually teach the students what they needed to know to succeed in life and excel. Huh? They figured, oh, well, we can benefit ourselves and our school prestige from which we will benefit. Say we were going on to other schools. Well, you were with one of the top schools in the nation. Oh, and you're coming to us? Well, we're going to give you a better paying position and more money, blah, blah, blah. And we know who the real losers in this kind of that game were the pawns, the students who are coming there to get an education that's supposed to prepare them to go on to college. And if they don't go on to college, at least understand it has my education gave me the comprehensive basics to do well anything else. Look, I'm like I told you guys, I ain't got no college degree. I ain't no smarty pants. I got a high school GED. But in my career as a talk show host in Chicago and here, I've debated People with PhDs. And I frankly, I'm going to tell you, I don't whoop their behinds. I ain't lost debate yet. I ain't lost debate yet. Not if you listen to it anyway. We're not losing. But I mean, I've, I've debated um, uh, Democratic campaign strategists. I've dem- debated Democratic politicians. I've dem- dem- uh, debated, I even debated Barack Hussein Obama when he was a state senator on a Chicago radio talk show about gun control. And he was lying behind off then. I ain't scared of none of these people. But what was the basic basics I got? The basics I got was the education I got in a public school, in elementary and high school, Chicago public school. And it was pretty good now that I look back on it. It really was. I don't know if that's true anymore. Curriculums are so – because we, we, we were taught via the classical educational method, the Socratic method. Wrote, memory, learning, the classical education techniques that for most part have stood uh, uh, students in good stead for centuries, going back to ancient Greece. Nowadays, so much time is spent in diversity training and how to put a condom on a cucumber and environmentalism and all this other jive that is utterly unnecessary and counterproductive. So the kind of education that I got, when we spent a lot of time learning how to diagram a sentence to enable us to speak better, 
I don't think that's existing as much anymore. And remember now, folks, let's not forget, I'd like to hear some of you guys calling in tonight because I want to talk to some of you, some of y'all. Come on, come on. Some of y'all like call in and uh, talk. Again, I know you got some opinions on this thing because this thing uh, is, is, is pretty huge. Uh, uh, the ramifications are endless. And uh, I, I don't think you can overstate uh, what this means. You better believe that every single school system in this country, particularly in big cities that are run by Democrats, they are shredding papers and burning papers and cleaning out files and covering their tracks right and left. Because they guarantee you, Atlanta ain't the only one. I'm telling you right now. Now, that's my opinion, but I'm positive of it. And almost every one of them, I bet you, is run by a Democrat. Every one of them, Democrat run, I guarantee you. Opinion again, opinion, but I'm certain of it. Now, to go on, the whole the whole purpose was for, the, again, the Georgia's CRCT exams, which is meant to comply with the No Child Left Behind Act. Now, federal funding under the... Um, that act requires that states that receive federal funding under the Elementary and Secondary Education Act of 1965 must provide annual standardized testing to all students. So remember now, this is another one of these uh, tricks, or rather these um, conditions that come with accepting federal funding. If you take off, you suck off the, uh, you take the king's coin, you got to comply with the king's rules. It's not required that any state uh, accept this federal money. But what state's going to turn down federal money these days? Nobody will vote for you if you turn down. Oh, I turned down federal money for our state. Are you crazy? Let's go get this Democrat who's going to take all the money you can get. That's the way it's going to work. It's just the way it is. People are corrupt now. I'm sorry. Much of the electorate is corrupt. It's too bad, but that's the way it is. So I understand why they do, but I'm just saying a consequence of taking this federal money is you got to comply with the federal strings, and the federal strings say you got to do standardized testing. Okay, so anyway, um, certain grades must show adequate yearly progress. This means that no matter how well your fifth grader scored last year, this year's fifth graders must score better. Now, if 99.5% of your fifth graders passed last year, then 99.6% or more must pass this year. Now, at some point, it's impossible to continue to meet the adequate yearly process, or AYP, uh, strictures. Now, if you ever have a class that hits 100% for your school, you're doomed to fail. You can never show improvement. Now, I don't know. I certainly don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't. Now, I don't mean that's why AYP is not always meant. But you can see the problem. I, and there may be a little leeway in this, but the way the the regulations are written, it doesn't. It doesn't seem to indicate that there is. One of the things that came to the attention of the investigators and others. And uh, investigative reporters who started looking into the Atlantic public school cheating scandal was the fact that the benefits in this case were statistically improbable. Now, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that probably worked to redounded to the misfortune of these corrupt teachers. They, they, they probably majored in education in college. And let's face it, for many, not all, because there are a lot of good teachers out there, probably most of them. But for many of them, uh, education is kind of a ghetto where the incompetent cluster in order to get a degree. And one thing that I'll bet you many people who major in education 
aren't too good at is in statistics because that involves a lot of math. <laughs> you know, probabilities, mathematics, all that sort of thing. And they didn't realize what they were doing might be seen by somebody investigating it as statistically improbable. Not impossible, but improbable. And when a thing is improbable, it often leads to what? Further investigation. And that's what probably happened in this case, investigation. But, you know, liberals really have a problem with concepts like that. They really do. I, I progressive, man, I'm telling you. Math don't mean, you know, math, oh, that's so, I don't know. Uh, some people uh, in the racial industrial context might call it Eurocentric, I guess. You know, statistical probability and mathematics and, um, you know, um, all that sort of thing. That's just not, and 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 then if you're not uh, in a racial industrial complex, uh, you might bother just uncool and uncaring and impersonal. It's so impersonal and so statistically cold. Uh, so anyway, uh, I, I think that might have been a factor for many of them's downfall. They just couldn't see how they might get caught this way. Now, for many years, for years rather, the federal government declared that corrective action must be taken which may mean replacement of the whole staff or introduction of a new curriculum. Now, remember, uh, they expect the feds, in order to keep the federal money coming, uh, the feds would expect if you don't show annual yearly progress, you've got to replace the whole, curric- whole staff and or curriculum. You know, five years and plans to restructure the whole school were put into place with continued failures, and after six years, the school is closed or a private company is hired to run it. Does the federal government really expect that this year's class can outscore last year's class or that last year's class had outperformed the previous year? Now, that, 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 I'm not giving these people an excuse. That's not an excuse. But um, the reason teachers, principals, and administrators are evaluated on student scores based on standardized tests, the federal government bases federal funds on standardized test results. Now, what was done in the APS, that's Atlanta Public School System, was outrageous. Even more outrageous is that uh, the Nathan Deal report, Governor Nathan Deal report, indicated that many non-APS schools had wrong-to-write erasure scores, a couple of standard deviations of the norm, but they were not investigated. Now, after that, uh, the Atlantic Journal-Constitution, a paper I don't like too much, but on this one, i got to admit, they did a bang-up job. They did do a bang-up job in this investigation. I mean... They had to upset a lot, ruffle a lot of feathers amongst people who are normally their allies, and they didn't let it stop them. I guess that stop clock thing, but they did a damn good job, and they deserve to be common. They might, they might even deserve a Pulitzer on this one, baby, for investigative reporting, because they were damn good. Um, now, the Atlanta Journal got, did do an in-depth story with an interactive map showing cities across the country where suspicious test results occurred in 15 or 10 percent of the schools in a school district. And it's not just Atlanta. But Alex de Tocqueville wrote in the early part of the 19th century, when he made his travels across the nation, he wrote his book, America. He said, in a democracy, we get the government we deserve. Now, the people keep electing school boards that put in homosexual activist agendas and dumbed-down curriculum. You let them hire corrupt superintendents, and then they're shocked to find out this is the end result. Hell, I ain't surprised. Remember, I remember Beverly Hill, the late Beverly Hill, who, in fact, unfortunately, uh, sur- surmi- uh, demised before she could be held to account 
at her trial after her indictment. In 2009, the American Association of School Administrators named Hall as National Superintendent of the Year, and they specifically mentioned Atlanta's significant gains in student achievement over the past 10 years. And remember, this report, this award came after the Atlantic Journal-Constitution reported in 2008 that some student scores were statistically improbable. But we all know. Liberals, they just care so much for the children. But one thing about liberals, if it ain't about power, it's about dough. Follow the money. Show me the money. Follow the money. Show me the money. Hey, that's what you need to look. You follow the money here? Bonuses. It's kind of in a way, if you think about it, though, a real trope and a real, you know, uh, dare I say it, um, uh, a totem of liberalism and progressive, and that's affirmative action, and particularly racial preferences and gender preferences in affirmative action. You know, you're just helping minority youths to succeed. But how, and really, how is this any different from colleges seeing minority applicants' SAT scores up for admission purposes? I don't see anything significantly different, do you? Now, if you do, call in and tell me why you do. But for me, I don't see anything that's so terribly different about it. I mean, really? Now, um, she, again, she got more than five, Beverly Hall got more than $500,000 in performance bonuses while superintendent. But there were one woman who turned state's evidence to testify. Uh, another person, her name was Shayla Smith. She was a fifth grade teacher in Atlanta. Her name was Shayla Smith. She she probably had her some words that were related to have been said by her by other people giving testimony will probably go down as the money words of this whole situation. And <laughs> Listen real close. This is what the woman supposed, uh, is supposed to have said, has testified under oath during the trial. I had to give your kids the answers because they're dumb as hell. <laughs> you know, when this suicidal multicultural fantasy we're living in finally blows up, it's going to get real ugly. <laughs> man, I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, man, oh, man, oh, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, you know, there there is so much about this that is just so illustrative of the corruption going on in big city governments run by Democrats, progressives, and liberals. I mean, there's just so much. Just, I mean, you really, I mean, it's like you really, if you want to hire as a case study of all that's wrong with liberalism, I mean, which is so many, I mean, there's nowhere you can't look and not see the rot. That liberalism calls wherever it gets established. To nowhere. And and again, if any of you folks believe that there is something uh, positive about anything liberalism has wrought upon our country, I'd love for you to call in and tell me. I'd love to hear what it is because uh, it, it's always been a mystery to me. Uh, uh, that number you can call to tell me is 1-347, Eric go 347-884. Eight five hundred. If you have an idea, an inkling, as to what has been good about liberalism, I'd like to know what it is. 
Explain something, why you don't find this happening in states that are red states and run, uh, yeah, I mean, that and, and under red school administration. Whatever problems you want to say about them. And there ain't, by the way, there aren't any really any big cities run by red state mayors or governors. It's all Democrats. Now, here's what I'd really like to find out. Because, look, most of these students that are failing to get a good education are black students. They're the ones being cheated proper education. They are the ones being cheated by these Democrats, liberals, and progressives. And whenever it comes time to vote, their parents go to the voting booth and pull, where's the Democrat? Pull a lever for the Democrat. But if just 30 to 40% of them come to understand the hypocrisy and the destructiveness of the Democrat Party and move away from these oppressors, urban elite liberals like Barack Hussein Obama, Rahm Emanuel, Nancy Pelosi, the Kennedy family, who deny poor urban minorities vouchers while they themselves choose good private schools for their own children. And in the meantime, they force minority students into union-controlled, dysfunctional hellholes where people remain ignorant, literal ignorance factories, docile and easily controlled when they're not out of control because they don't have a father in the house to teach young men how to behave and have good manners. Like once upon a time, most black children basically had pretty good manners. Now it's kind of a problem. I'm not going to say most don't, but a huge number that used to didn't act this way are now acting that way because never before had there been so many young black, I mean, so many black children being raised without their father in the house. Never. And we keep pretending like it doesn't matter and it won't affect the children. And it is. It's everywhere around it. We see the effects of how they've been infected. And who caused the black father to be out of the black children's lives in his house? The welfare state of Lyndon Bain Johnson's great society. Another Democrat. Another corrupt Democrat who has wrought havoc upon the black community and the family. (sighs) These same liberals always seem to locate their abortion clinics in urban neighborhoods. They didn't pay off leaders like Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton to keep the minorities in line. (sighs) It's just sad. It's just sad. It really is sad. I can't think of too many other things sadder than this situation. Because everyone in the United States knows one of the cornerstones to furthering itself in the United States is education. Now, I know, as I said, uh, I am a high school GED. I didn't go to college except for three months. Then I quit college, and I was at a community college in Chicago. Chicago State College, well, not just junior college, not a community college. But anyway, um, but still, I value education. I think education is one of the most important things. I'm constantly educating myself. I never stop reading, and I want to learn from those who can teach me, like C. Robert Jones and Alan Keyes and Walter Williams and Thomas Sowell. And uh, the late William F. Buckley, and my one of my greatest mentors of all time, the late great Thomas Roser, with whom I had an eminently uh, illustrious collaboration 
for a long time in Chicago, one of the greatest conservatives in the Midwest. He taught me an immense amount. So I've always valued education, and uh, we taxpayers are paying for our children, um, um, our children's educations. And uh, I, I think we deserve the biggest bang for our buck. And even if we don't get it, we definitely don't have to have corrupt teachers rigging the results of tests. And it was quite appropriate, this uh, convictions, these convictions that were handed down, unprecedented in the history of United States public education, but entirely appropriate uh, and, and worthy and timely. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not, now uh, that it's happened, I'm really surprised I haven't heard more um, wailing and gnashing from liberals who aren't blaming George Bush more for developing No Child Left Behind. As I said, this is the standard uh, um, protocol for liberals uh, these days to blame George Bush. If there's a problem, blame George Bush. Well, when Barack Obama, he had to do tarp because when he came in, you know, I mean, the unprecedented economic situation, never seen anything like it before. He had to ask for eight or ninety million dollars in shovel-ready jobs that weren't shovel-ready jobs, and he knew they weren't shovel-ready jobs, but he asked for them anyway. But he had to do that because he had to lie a little bit because they all lie, and George Bush lied, and it's George Bush's fault. So, ah, there we go. So, um, I, I just like to know, and I'd like to ask you you all a rhetorical question here. If this Atlanta public school system was run by our current governor, a Republican. What do you think the reaction to him would be as the chief and the person in charge? Does anybody have an idea as to what they think uh, the argument might be against him? Would, 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 would they be insisting upon the gibbets being erected and pitchforks and torches to be bought out and, um, you know, uh, people going to his house to burn it down or drag him out and all this. I just wonder, the silence from liberals is deafening. You know, there doesn't seem to be any outrage about it. It's just, they're just considering all this in isolation, unattached from anything else. No, it, nothing else that, um, you know, really is involved here other than just a few corrupt teachers who are just isolated examples of a system going bad, a system that they were pressured into by the evil George Bush and his no-left-behind strictures. I, I, think, I think it's pretty telling what we're looking at here. I really do. I, I think that I think that um, uh, uh, people's ability to apply to apply blame and to properly analyze situations to determine how not only they occurred but how they can be um, prevented from occurring again. And I would I would submit to you a great deal of that is not letting corruption get entrenched. Corruption gets entrenched and. It's really hard to root it out. And in all these big cities, corruption that gets entrenched and stays there. It's Democrat, big city, 
liberal progressive corruption. It's almost impossible to get up. It's, it's what people are constantly squawking at me about uh, with police, because people know I'm a former uh, retired police officer, and they squawk at me about the police and on police corruption, the thin blue line and the wall of silence and blah, 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 and they will never comment upon the fact that all these cities, for the most part, they squawk about are run by Democrats. And no matter which city you're talking about in the recent controversies, they don't matter talking about Trayvon Martin, they don't matter talking about Mike Brown, they don't matter talking about Eric Garner. Hell, hell, Eric Garner, the city's run by a damn communist. Uh, it don't matter talking about Eric Garner. It doesn't matter you talking about Oakland, uh, the killing in Oakland recently. It doesn't matter. Every one of them is run by Democrats. They never will mention that. But see, I will. I'll mention it because I notice the way Democrats run their country and they take their um uh and 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 and, and they seem to take their uh a cue and a calling from that again folks uh give me a little help with this give me give me your opinions on this tell me what is it that you think uh this ultimately will mean what is it that you think this tells us about our society that this tells us about the state of education, that this tells us about the state of the judiciary, that this tells us about accountability and responsibility. And again, let's not forget those students of integrity who saw something that was wrong and who spoke against it and who realized that the way to succeed in this country is not to be given answers that will enable others to benefit from uh, their so-called largesse to you. You are being... You are not being helped. People are not being helped by racial preferences and affirmative action and extra points for skin color and diversity and multiculturalism. No, they are helped most of all by rigorous standards, um, meaningful testing, by being challenged academically, and being required to compete with others. And I would hope that would be a great deal of a lesson that comes out of this cheating scandal. If we, if nothing else comes uh, out of this, that should be it. I mean, people who teach their kids not to cheat, you know, they got to sometimes, I'm sure they got to feel like suckers watching this. This isn't coming from uh, a mother trying to get her kid on the cheerleading squad. This is coming from people who have the responsibility to maintain integrity within the testing system. Don't they realize when anyone cheats and gets away with it, it doesn't help them later in life when they go to use their schooling for a job or to get into college? Is there always going to be somewhere to help them get through life by cheating? I mean, I think there was a football player who testified. Uh, it was a Washington Redskins I think defensive line, all pro, that he'd been allowed to graduate from college, and he was literally illiterate. He couldn't do much more than read signs when he was driving. And he testified that effect. he could not read, but he'd been passed through because he, in his case, he could play football. He was a good athlete. And all these academics either turned a blind eye, looked the other way, or let others pony up his grades. And it didn't help him. And he was lamenting the fact that he'd been put that way. Well, this is just another variation of that lamentable, baleful theme. 
It's of no help to anyone. It is shortchanging our most precious resources, our children. So, you know, there's, there's, there's bad things that have come out of this. And by the way, um, there, and right here in Atlanta, there are um, suburbs that are attempting to, and have in fact, seceded from Atlanta. Um, they're uh, no, they're uh, new, and they form new cities. Uh, in the northern suburbs of DeKalb and Fulton counties. And part of it has to do with all these government scandals, rackets, political corruption, charges of bribery. And because Atlanta is becoming and starting to be called the Detroit of the South. And um, there was a threat not too long ago, threatened loss of accreditation for the DeKalb County school system. And communities in the North Atlanta suburbs like Sandy Springs and Roswell and others, they have carved new cities out of the carcass of Atlanta, based money with them. And they're just tired because, you know, you got folks there who won't, won't vote the corruption out. They just won't do it. And you know what? I don't blame them. I don't blame them. I, I, you know, I mean, I mean we, we see people who will flee these communities for other locales and other climes and better environments because they want a better life for their children. They're not going to stay there. They're not going to stay there and continue to live in cities where a majority of the electorate sees uh, uh, maybe a threat to their uh, rice bowl if their favorite politician isn't reelected. Either that or they simply vote out of ignorance. And we did, and, and not too long ago, there were people in um, a Georgia's uh, legislative black caucus. They filed a suit seeking the dissolution of these newly incorporated cities. And they said the creation of the new cities diluted African Americans' voting power, access, and influence. And the plaintiffs pointed out that although blacks have been numerous enough to control election results in and around Atlanta, thanks to the incorporation of supermajority white cities, Blacks who live in them are no longer able to put fellow blacks in office in the overwhelming numbers to which they have become accustomed. And by the way, it ain't because they're black, because they're Democrat, liberal, and progressive. You better believe Alan Keyes, Thomas Sowell, or Walter Williams would not govern like these people do. But all of them are Democrats, and Democrats have a particular style of governance. And look, and you, and you can, and people, look, people want to call it racist, fine. I don't care. There are consequences to this sort of thing. People are not going to deny the evidence of their senses. When they see this occurring over and over again, in the United States, we get to vote with our feet. We ain't got no Berlin walls up anywhere. People can't be stopped from leaving an oppressive situation. If they want and the state law allows them to charter new cities, you're going to find more and more of them. And needless to say, the creation of brand-new school districts managed by brand-new school boards is a priority in the newly incorporated cities. There's going to be more of it. Atlanta, clean up your act. If the electorate won't put you out, you're going to wind up losing the people who provide the tax base. And Atlanta will become, which is a beautiful city, 
Atlanta will become the Detroit of the South. I wouldn't want to wish that on any city. Education is key. Maintaining a good educational system is key to attracting people to come into and stay in a city. When the educational system goes, you lose voters. You will always lose the voters. I wish it wasn't so. I wish there could have been there could be other outcomes. But it doesn't seem that there can be with the state of affairs the way it is. It seems that the United States is drifting ever more and more toward two irreconcilably um, considered and opposed viewpoints. And that is a recipe for one of two things. Either one group secedes from the other, or you have a civil war to determine who's going to control what. And I say to you, that isn't a good thing. That isn't something I think any of us really want to see. I know I don't. I simply don't think we should sit and stand by without saying something as we watch our children's future being shortchanged in the shameless way they were in this Atlanta cheating scandal. This was inexcusable. This was a violation of a moral and fiduciary trust to these children. And there's really no excuse for it. There really isn't. And all of it's being done with our tax money. Our tax money subsidized this. And it came to light due to the diligent results of people in the first estate. Yeah, the news media. The Barack Obama news media that created the journalist. I don't know if you guys remember the journalist, but the journalist's job has circulated by the memos and emails that circulated amongst each other, was to protect Barack Obama's flank against any untoward, embarrassing attacks, not to reveal the truth. There was a whole list of 79 of these journalists, well-known journalists. They called it the journalist. Journalist. And it was disgraceful. But in this case, they got it right. They did their duty. And all of us can be grateful to them for doing it. That's why integrity is so important. That's why when it's gone, you get things like the Atlanta public school cheating scandal. Let's not forget it. Well, it's about time to wrap up here, folks. Uh, I've enjoyed speaking to you all tonight. I'm grateful that you have come to the C. Robert Jones um, uh, Situation Report to hear uh, me in the show. I've enjoyed bringing it to you. I hope I have been able to edify you to some degree or other. And um, I'll look forward to doing it again if if uh, Doc Jones decides he can entrust me with that. And with that, let me send you out with my favorite theme song because, boy, I just love hearing these liberals hang themselves. Give them enough rope and they'll hang themselves. Let's hear them do it again in glorious audio. Tella. Ta ta. Bye for now. Dalle vicende della vita di Roma, abbia detto la sua parola. We cannot continue to rely only on our.
in order to achieve the national security objective that we set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded. Now, the other day, the oil companies reported the highest profits in the history of the world. I want to take those profits. And guess what this liberal would be all about? This liberal will be all about socializing. Uh, um, would be about basically taking over and the government running all of your companies. Uh, to that extent, as radical as I think people try to characterize the Warren Court, uh, it wasn't that radical. It, it didn't break free from the essential constraints that were placed uh, uh, by the founding fathers in the Constitution. To one of the, uh, I think, uh, the tragedies of the civil rights movement, uh, I think that there was a tendency to lose track of the political and community organizing and, and activities on the ground that are able to put together the actual coalitions of power through which you bring about redistributive uh, change. They've got a chance of success too. I think when you spread the wealth around, it's good for I brought up the subject of what's going to happen after we take over the government. Uh, you know, we, we become responsible then for administrating you know, 250 million people. I ask, well, what is going to happen to those people that we can't re-educate, that are die-hard cap capitalists? And the reply was that they'd have to be eliminated. And when I pursued this further, they estimated that they would have to eliminate 25 million people in these re-education centers. And when I say eliminate, I mean kill 25 million people. I want you to imagine sitting in a room with 25 people, most of which have graduate degrees from Columbia and other well-known educational centers, and hear them figuring out the logistics for the elimination of 25 million people. And they were dead serious.